I saw the house every time I drove to the highway. It sat perched on a hillside, looking out over an expanse of rolling hills that have been demolished by a developer sometime in the last 10 years. There had been a time when that all had been wilderness, back when there was still mystery left in the world. Now, an artery road separated it from the nascent horizon, cars bypassing its lonely earthen structure. Few considered its significance, or its ancient stone chimney, a stoic reminder of the simple life that once transpired within its walls. These bricks, of course, are new. I put the camera down. The documentary could wait as I listened to the preservationist summary. It used to be a hospital during the Civil War, but Sherman burned all the records, so who can prove it? City sold it. Didn't think it was worth the money to keep it up. That's when the occupant moved in. I saw the curtain in the upstairs window move aside. And she was beautiful. Our eyes met. I felt awkward holding a camera in her backyard, and wondered if she was told we were coming. But more than that, I felt shame. For I saw in her eyes a look of longing. Of sadness. The curtains fell back into place. She made no protest. Come on, I'll show you inside. The house smelt of mold. Its fixtures were of a bygone era. And apart from the rotting counter and cabinets, the house was empty. The bedroom where the woman had stood was faded pink, barren, and sad. The woman and the world she had been a part of, wherever it might have been, were gone. All that was left were the veil-like curtains and a lingering desire for what might have been. These are the tales of the lonesome places of the world, the highways in hiding, and those that tread such ground. Welcome to the Byways. The First Ghost Sarah didn't believe in ghosts. That's what she told anyone when the subject came up. Her reasons were many, but ultimately came down to faith. After death, the judgment, as the book of Hebrews says. She was engaged to a man of faith, yet he differed on this point. I grew up in a haunted house, he would insist. I can't deny to the experiences I've had. The disagreement came up in premarital counseling, but it was never a hill to die on for either of them. They were in love, and ghosts had very little place in that ever-modernizing world. His haunted house and the woods surrounding it had been leveled a decade prior to make room for the city's expansion northward. Its ghosts, if ever there were any, went along with it. He used to be a goth, obsessed with metal and horror films and all things macabre. She was a church girl, kind, sweet, and too feeling for her own good. Her friends knew that hers was a shoulder to cry on no matter what. In that way, as he awakened to the pleasantness of life, she was awakening to its shadows. Despite it all, however, still she was sweet, still she was kind. A few months before they were to be wed, she got the call. Her best friend's sister had taken her own life. No one saw it coming. She was always so happy. She had such a wonderful life. She took the coward's way out. The sister's opinion. They had grown up together, gone to church together, laughed together, and cried together. Yet in that moment, Sarah had no words of comfort for her friend. 
Any talk of mysterious ways and the good plans of God seemed shallow and false in the face of such tragedy. And so it was that many nights were spent in tearful waiting, hearing out her friend's grievances against the world and against God. And really, what was there to say? Where the words of the ancient scriptures had failed to soothe, was there really any hope that she might do better? All she could do was be the shoulder and let the tears fall, even as her friend descended deeper into despair. You need a vacation, her fiancé. The wedding was but a month away, and there was so much more work to be done, but yes, yes, she most certainly needed a vacation. He picked a place far away, distant and beautiful, and so well removed that the city's problems were guaranteed to melt away. And so they did. For the first time in months, Sarah laughed and ran and let her mind run free as they explored the far reaches of an untouched wilderness. They two were together, and the other was all that each of them knew. The day grew old and the sun blazed the sky. Magic hour. They stumbled from the woods into a forgotten cemetery. Oh, perfect. Let's get your picture and see what sort of strangeness comes out when we get it developed. Sarah was not amused. Stop, you're walking on someone's grave. I'm sure they won't mind. But he knew his efforts would be fruitless. Like, I just want to walk around a bit, all right? Just tread lightly. I think it's disrespectful to come and cock at him like this. They strolled among the stones. Here a child. There a husband and wife joined in death after 20 years apart. She had gone first. You know, I, I wouldn't want to live 20 years without you, he said. Sarah agreed, but something caught her eye. What's that? He looked. A tall figure in the trees. He approached it with caution and saw. Looks like an old refrigerator. I guess this area had houses around more recently than the last century, huh? He turned back to Sarah, and her gaze seemed a thousand miles away. He reached for his camera, and she spoke. He's right. I don't want to go down this road. The crickets began to chirp again, and the wind rattled the trees. She looked at him. Let's go, okay? He was quiet for a moment, but nodded. They departed the graveyard in reverence. Asked God what to think of ghosts, huh? She nodded. Any word from the man himself? I already said it. You don't want to go down that road. He considered. You saw something, didn't you? Sarah walked ahead. She would never be sure except for on the darkest of nights when the soul holds no secrets from itself. But it didn't matter. Sarah could never help the girl in the graveyard. That book was open and shut. That story was told. The living. They're the ones who need saving. Don't let it know that you're awake. From the start, Lindsay didn't like the house. It was a nice, ranch-style home, and far nicer than where her family had moved from. But there was something sinister in its geometry that seemed to want to swallow her whole. But her family was together, and the future seemed bright for the first time in a long time. Besides, home was home, no matter where it was. She picked out the bedroom in the far corner of the house and spent her first day there unpacking and watching the cars and kids on bikes passing outside her window. What kind of people lived in the neighborhood, she wondered. What sort of life would her family have here? She was a year from graduating from college, the first in her family to make it that far, 
and as that day inched ever closer, she felt more and more disconnected from her blue-collar roots. While her cousins and neighbors were dabbling in the leavings of the Summer of Love some ten years prior, she had set herself to her books and her studies. She was determined to rise above her station. She would not be barefoot and pregnant and cordoned off from the world at large. Her kids were going to be well-bred, and she was going to rise above. By the time Mama called for dinner that first night, Lindsay had forgotten all about how she didn't like the house. And now that she looked at her things set in their new places around her room, she thought that she could really be happy here. That first day had been a pleasant one, and her family sat down to a dinner of fried chicken and cornbread, Mama's specialty, and they all basked in the warm thankfulness for new beginnings and a bright road ahead. After dinner, Lindsay went to work the evening shift at McDonald's and met with some friends to talk about the foreign study trip coming up in the fall. By the time she got home, the sun had gone down. If the house was merely sinister by day, by night it was downright monstrous. The porch light and lit windows gave it the look of a furnace, as if crossing the threshold was to step straight into the fires of hell. And there was still the shape of it, something ever so slightly off kilter. Maybe a misconceived angle or uneven foundation. Whatever it was inspired disquiet. But home was home. So she went inside. Mama and Daddy had waited up for her. And even though she wanted to stay with them a while, she had class at eight, so she kissed them goodnight and went to her room to get some sleep. She stared at the ceiling for a long time. Sleep never comes easy in a new place. Every sound is strange and alien, setting you to wonder if maybe there wasn't more space around you than the walls seem to contain. Every passing car yields its own ineffable vibration, and its headlights throw grotesque shadows across the walls, making you see things that are just not there. And then, no matter how brave you are, every fear of yours and your ancestors comes creeping back in, and you pray to your god for safe passage to the dawn. Then, all at once, sleep takes you. Lindsay awoke in the still morning hours before the sun came up. Something was wrong. She felt for her lamp but couldn't find it. What was it that woke her up? Why did she feel so off? It hadn't been a dream. She hadn't slept soundly enough for that. Sound. There was no sound. No creaking house, no distant cars, not even the steady cadence of crickets interrupted the quiet. Then she saw it. At the foot of her bed, looking down at her, it was tall and draped in tattered white robes, stringy white hair stretched to the floor like cobwebs and obscured an unknowable face that was neither male nor female but altogether horrible. It didn't move. It just stood there like some perverse mannequin, Somehow lifeless, but still looking. Somehow, she knew it was looking, watching her through the inky black. She pressed her eyes shut and held them so. It's not real, she thought, hoped, and then prayed. She opened her eyes again. It was still there. And hadn't it moved just a bit closer? Don't, don't let it know that you're awake. Don't let it see that you can see it. She wanted to scream, but knew whatever hands it had would find her quickly if she did that cobweb hair choking her life away as she finally saw that terrible face clearly. She clenched her teeth hard until they felt like breaking. The thing lurched forward, and then she had to scream. Crickets. Sunlight. 
Lindsay opened her eyes and saw, by the dawn's first light, that she had passed the night. And like all such fears, hers were banished by the light of day. Lindsay attended her classes, learning more about Europe and all that she would see come autumn. She worked her second job at the local mall and spent time with her artist friends talking about deep things. It was a good day, but come nightfall, she had to return home. The lurid glow of the house's windows called back the previous night, and as she lay in bed listening to passing cars and the house's groans, the fear crept up on her once more. And then, silence. Her eyes fluttered open, and she stared at the ceiling for a good long while, not wanting to know if her nightmare had returned. A long time passed, and sleep would not come. It was all just a dream. You're being hysterical. Just look and see for yourself, she thought. That rang true, and despite the quiet and the terror of the night before, Lindsay cracked a grin and peered at the foot of the bed, knowing that there was nothing there. Except there was. There it stood, just as before, deathly still, yet somehow looking. Don't let it know that you're awake. Don't let it know. Life went on like this for the whole summer. Every day, Lindsay would work her jobs, save her money, do her best in class, and dream of getting away to build her life. By night, the fear would return, and that thing would keep a steady, silent watch over her. Don't let it know that you're awake. September came, and Lindsay left with her class for foreign study in Europe. For three long, wonderful months, she toured the continent, making new friends and even finding the man she would one day marry. She was on her own and making her way. Her hometown and everything about it were a million miles away, and not once in all of that time did she dream about the thing in white. That, too, had lapsed into distant memory. Lindsay cried for the whole trip home from the airport. After all that had happened, she was going back to her small hometown. She was going back to her three jobs, back to class in a prefab lecture hall, back to going nowhere and longing for escape. She wanted to tell her family about the trip, but knew deep down that they just wouldn't understand. She fell asleep that night, dreaming of Venice. The sights, the smells, the sounds. What sounds? Her eyes snapped open. Life in a foreign city had never been this quiet. Not even her nights in the Celtic country, far from the city centers, were this quiet. Was home always this quiet? It didn't take her long to remember, and despite her better judgment, she looked to the foot of the bed. The thing in white was watching her as if no time had passed. Don't let it know that you're awake. Lindsay was there another year and a half before graduation and a new job lifted her from her nest to set her flying for Atlanta and the future that she had always wanted. Once in Atlanta, the dreams all ended. She never again saw the thing in white. It was just another funny story from her past. Many years later, when she had a family of her own, Lindsay received a phone call from an old friend from those days. They met and talked and laughed about their childhood and how far they had come. I always wanted to get out of that town, Lindsay confessed. It was closing in all around me, and I've never looked back. 
That whole year leading up to graduation, I had this horrible nightmare about this thing dressed in white standing at the foot of my bed, just staring at me. Her friend was stolid. You lived in that house on Gardenia Drive then, didn't you? She didn't answer. She had no words. You know we lived in that house too, right? A few years before you did. I always hated how that house looked, like something about it wanted to grab you and eat you alive. All my friends thought the place was haunted, but I never saw anything. My sister, though. She had the back bedroom in the far corner of the house. Every night that we lived there, she said she woke up to see a tall white something that wasn't a man or a woman with long, spidery hair, standing totally still at the foot of her bed. Somehow, though, she knew that it was watching her. And she kept telling herself, Don't let it know that you're awake. Thank you for listening to this episode of Byways. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to our audio podcast via iTunes or your favorite podcatcher platform and following us on social media at Thorns Attic. All illustrations and text of the stories featured on Byways are available at thornsattic.com byways. Byways is a production of Thorns Attic, LLC. All rights reserved. Today's Byways soundtrack includes This House... Tenebris Brothers, Mermaid, and Shadowlands 5, Antichamber, by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License, creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 3.0.